Hello and welcome to Growing in God's Word, a Bible class recap. This is a weekly summary of the discussions we've had in our Sunday morning Bible class at Trinity Lutheran Church. And I'm Pastor Thomas Fricke, and I'll be guiding you through some of the discussions we've had while exploring topics of relevance to Christians in today's world. Today's topic, well, it's a Christmas extra. This past week we had a situation where we weren't quite sure that we would be able to have a Bible class, and as it turned out, we did have that class, and so we ended up with a bonus discussion about some of the topics that happen to be of interest to church members as Christmas approaches. We're going to talk about uh, a number of them. First of all, Christmas, the tradition of the Advent wreath, the 12 days of Christmas, and the supposed pagan origins of Christmas and of the Christmas tree. But I first want to talk about Mary's line of descent. Last week we had had a question about this because we noted in Matthew's gospel, Matthew begins with the genealogy, the line of Jesus' descent, and it gets traced back to Abraham through Joseph. Matthew's point in writing for his uh, Jewish countrymen Uh, Matthew being one of the disciples of Jesus and a Jew himself, Matthew is interested in showing that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And so he traces the line of descent of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. But as Luke puts it, uh, Joseph was the father, so it was thought of Jesus. And what Luke does in chapter 3 of his gospel is he starts with Joseph and then Mary by implication, so it was thought uh, that he was the son of Joseph. He begins with Mary, though he does not name her there in chapter 3, and he goes all the way back. He goes backwards in time to Adam. Luke's point, uh, having been the one who wrote the gospel Uh, for people who are of non-Jewish origin, being familiar with the Roman world through his travels with the Apostle Paul. Luke is writing for people who need to know that Jesus really is the Son of God, and uh, he is both true God and true man. He's the Savior of the world. And so one of the points that uh, uh, Luke makes, and one of the things that I think needs to be brought out here is that Uh, Jesus is both human and divine. Uh, uh, Luke's genealogy teaches that Joseph really is not the father of Jesus, and uh, this is Mary's genealogy that we have in the Gospel of St. Luke. Just wanted to clarify that because that question had come up in the previous week. Secondly, let's let's talk about the topic of Christmas. Uh, You may notice that our Christmas tree have got some handmade ornaments that are decorated. They're basically white with some gold trim and some other decorations and uh, some symbols that maybe look a little bit strange to people. The word Christman is a combination of two words, the word Christ and the word monogram. And a Christman is a monogram or a symbol, we would say, of Christ. The colors are of Christmans are, are always white and gold and they are colors that are symbolical of Christ in Christmas, the white representing his purity and the gold, his kingship, his majesty. And so we did talk about the Christmans just very, very briefly, and uh, some of them have 
different symbolical uh, meaning as we put them on the tree. There is one that is uh, kind of a typical Christian symbol, the Cairo symbol, the X with what looks like a P, which is really the Greek letter Rho, which is equivalent to our R. Uh, those are the first two letters of the name of Christ, or the first three letters in Christ's name in English. But in Greek, the, those are the first two letters for Christ. And uh, they remind us that Jesus is, uh, well, our Savior. Um, and then there are other symbols as well. We didn't go into any detail on these. The fish would be one of the symbols of Christmas that, or of Christ, of Christianity maybe, I should say. Uh, the words, um, uh, the, 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 the letters, we see them in English as an I-X-T-H-U-S. Ichthys, uh, the Greek uh, the word for fish, stands for the first letters in the Greek words for Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. And so those are some of the symbols of the Chrismans. We hurried on from that, though. We wanted to talk about the tradition of the Advent wreath because this has been something that a few people have just asked about. What, what is the symbolism behind the Advent wreath, and how did it get there? Uh, well, the Advent wreath is, is a centuries-old tradition in the Christian church, and uh, Advent wreaths typically have four candles. Uh, in most cases, three of them are purple and one of them pink. In some cases, they're all purple. Uh, in other cases, there might be three blue and one pink, or all of them are blue. Uh, the third candle, if there's a pink candle, it will be the third candle. So this is what they represent. Uh, the first week of Advent is the hope uh, it, it symbolizes hope, and it is the prophecy candle as we look ahead to our Savior's coming at the end of time and his birth in Bethlehem. Uh, the second week of Advent, the candle is the candle of uh, the Bethlehem candle, which symbolizes peace. The peace came to earth as our Savior was born in Bethlehem. The third week is the shepherd's candle, which is the candle that symbolizes or reminds us of the joy the shepherds had as they shared the news of the Savior's birth. This, again, would be the pink candle, the third week in Advent. And then the fourth week in Advent is the angel's candle, which tells us of the love of our Savior Jesus. So that's the tradition of the Advent wreath. Uh, there is a little bit of overlap with the traditional um, theme or idea of each of the four weeks of Advent in the Christian liturgical church year, uh, but that overlap is not complete. Uh, there is a strong emphasis on John the Baptist in the second week of Advent. <clears throat> a, a third thing that we did talk about is the 12 days of Christmas, uh, the, the song or the uh, the. Christmas Carol, the 12 Days of Christmas, uh, has a, a kind of a strange meaning to it. What are the 12 Days of Christmas? Well, we should talk about Advent and the 12 Days of Christmas. The season of Advent actually begins uh, four weeks prior to Christmas. It's intended to be a season of repentance and renewal and reflection for a Christian as we await the coming of our Savior. 
And so uh, as we do with Lent and uh, prior to Easter, we have a time for repentance and reflection uh, before we finally have the joyful festival. The same thing is true here. And if we celebrate Advent the way it's intended to be celebrated, then Christmas comes with great joy. We tend, however, in American culture to just jump the gun, right? Uh, we have uh, the, the, the season of, of uh, Halloween uh, as uh, Americans, I guess, in an American culture throughout uh, the, the, the month of October. And then uh, we, we start jumping already into the Christmas season with a little bit of time that we spend on Thanksgiving in between. Well, it, we've lost something if we've lost the season of Advent and the reflective nature uh, and the repentance that it calls for on the part of Christians. Um, well, and then we have the, the Christmas season, which begins on December 25th and ends on January 5th, the day before Epiphany, when we talk about the coming of the wise men. But uh, the 12 days of Christmas are those 12 days from the 25th of uh, December through the 5th of January. Uh, the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, uh, seems a little bit nonsensical to us. The first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. There is a tradition that says that, well, that's the symbol of Jesus, the one Savior that we have. The two turtle doves representing the Old New Testaments, three French horns uh, representing symbols of faith, hope, and love, and so on. Uh, ten Lady, Lord's a-leaping, being the Ten Commandments, eleven pipers piping, the eleven faithful disciples, and the twelfth day of Christmas, twelve drummers drumming, uh, twelve major points made in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the, the tradition says also that, or the um, one of the ideas that you can find uh, maybe elaborated on on the internet a little bit is the idea that this song was first composed during a time of religious persecution in the 1700s in England, and it's kind of a secret code for Christians being able to celebrate Christmas in a certain kind of way without being caught uh, as Christians. We can understand how this may happen, but the correspondence of those days, uh, the, the, the imagery of each of the 12 days of Christmas in the song doesn't really fit very well with the things that they are supposed to be corresponding to. How do you get 12, uh, 12 uh, drummers drumming and see a strong connection with the Apostles' Creed or 10 lords a-leaping? How can you see that in the Ten Commandments? And so this is something that is kind of an interesting thought. It's kind of a nice thought to think that there is a Christ Christian meaning behind the 12 days of Christmas but it's a little bit hard to see that connection, and scholars are quite skeptical that there is that strong of a connection between the two. Maybe it's not all that important. You can enjoy the song just the same. One of the last things we talked about was the supposed pagan origins of Christmas, the fact that Christmas is on December 25th. Uh, it was celebrated first uh, for the first time around December 25th, or it was established, December 25th was established as the date for the celebration of Christmas in the fourth century of Christianity. And so uh, we really don't know when Jesus was born, what time of year he was born. We have simply, as a Christian 
um, as a Christian church chosen historically to celebrate his birth on the 25th of December, around the time when the sun starts returning, the days start to lengthen after the winter solstice. Okay. Uh, interesting thing is that at that time mm, there was a pagan festival called, called Saturnalia that celebrated the return of the sun. And uh, it was uh, quite a uh, uh, time for partying and so on. And so the Christian church, uh, ostensibly at least, offered a different kind of tradition for its members to be observing at that time of year, apart from the drunkenness and the partying that was going on that would be objectionable to the early Christians. There's also a suggestion that the Christmas tree is kind of a pagan uh, tradition itself, and yet for Christians to be able to say we put up an evergreen tree to remind ourselves of the eternal life that we have through Jesus Christ isn't an un uh, unthinkable kind of thing. and It's not necessarily something that was borrowed from, from paganism. One criticism that you'll sometimes hear is that no Christian should be ever setting up a Christmas tree because in Jeremiah chapter 10, the prophet says you shouldn't be cutting down a tree from the forest and setting up some kind of a Christmas tree. But let me read what Jeremiah actually says. He says, do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them, for the practices of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. This isn't talking about cutting down a tree and setting it up in your living room and putting tinsel and ornaments on it, as some people maybe charge Christians with doing. Uh, this is actually just talking about cutting down a tree and fashioning it into the shape of an idol and using that idol as a representation of God. It's very reminiscent of what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 44, where he, in a humorous kind of way, pokes fun at the idea of a craftsman going out into the woods, cutting down a tree, and making something out of wood that he bows down and claims to be his God. He has eyes, but he cannot see, ears, but he cannot hear, and a mouth, and he cannot talk. And then he says, I am worshiping you, you are my God. Uh, Isaiah pokes fun at that idea, and Jeremiah takes a very similar approach here at the beginning of chapter 10 in his prophecy. So we talked about these items in our last uh, Bible study. It was interesting discussion. We really didn't get into much of the scripture, but we were able to talk about some of the traditions surrounding Christmas. If you happen to have any questions about this, you can drop us a line, call, stop in at the office, or, or uh, just uh, send us uh, something by email as well. So that's our conclusion for today's Growing in God's Word Bible class recap this week. Thank you for listening. And if you have any ideas for future topics, let us know. Uh, you can reach me at the Trinity Lutheran office, as I mentioned. And we're going to be taking a break now for the next two weeks and return the week of January 7th. And until then, keep on growing in God's Word. <music>